0: Hey Tima! Hold up, Put the thongs in the motherfucker, come on now.
1: in the train station in San Francisco. I'm Schmidt, and this is Talkin' Schmidt. Today on the show is my good friend, Atiba Jefferson. Atiba is one of the best skateboard photographers in the biz. He also shoots photos for the NBA. He's played in the band The Goat and toured with Cap Power, even opened for Bad Brains. For the last year and a half, he's been working for Thrasher Magazine got himself some covers, attended a couple sodi parties, even was at Christmas dinner at the old Clam House. Says although he doesn't want the party train to come to a stop, this quarantine has given him some time to reflect on how he'd like to move forward once things get back to the way we
2: remember. My friends like to go out. That's how we've become friends, you know. But I definitely will party more, but be a little bit smarter about seeing different friends and making the time to hang out, whether it's just dinner or whatever. Like I miss so many people, you know, I really want to take advantage of every second once this is over to be able to have like human contact with people and For do sure. it right.
1: Also folks, I want to thank each and every one of you who bought a t-shirt the last couple of weeks and helped reach our goal of a thousand dollars. I'll be cutting a check today and giving it to the good people at UCSF Medical for PPE purposes. Personal protective equipment includes masks, gloves, and more will help keep doctors, nurses, and medical staff from contracting the virus. On a personal note, I was tested last week with the old Q-tip up the nose technique, and that is anything but comfortable. I really appreciate the folks who were taking care of me on the front lines. Anyway, the results came back negative and I'm super stoked to be able to do this for the community. Feels like I'm trying my best to do my part and there is no way I could have done it without each and every one of you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you all we got a great one for you today, so let's get it started.
2: This is Atiba Jefferson, and you're listening to Talkin' Schmidt.
1: It's cool, like tonight is the night.
3: Here we go again. Just give it the old college time. Right? All big dogs in. Big
4: 96 times, Schmidt. Thanks, Schmitty. We on? Schmitty? Talking Schmidt. That's called going to the hospital, bitch. <laughs> I can shit in my pants. Man. Your Robodex is fucking deep. I don't give a fuck about your fucking multi million dollar numbers. Who's this guy who thinks he's tough shit? What's
0: up? I'm here for Greensland.
1: Yay! Three, two, one, and yes, live from San Francisco in the condo, a few steps from my couch. We have the one and only Atiba Jefferson here. What's up, Atiba?
2: Chilling, man. Just um, quarantining.
1: Yeah. Have you been uh, staying in or have you been dipping out once in a while?
2: I've been, you know, I'm not going to lie to anyone. I haven't been a complete angel. Um, You know, I've been rolling out. I've rolled out three times in the last month since the quarantine got called with Nyjah and Damo and crew and, you know, that's just, it's hard as a skater because knowing that these spots, you know, what we think is more skatable, which kind of isn't really the truth because if a place has security, we're sitting duck because we're obviously the only ones at a college or something. Schoolyards, obviously, it's a free-for-all, but you kind of realize being out in the streets, like, all eyes are on you, you know, like, when you're even driving and a cop's behind you, you're like, oh, shit, so... You know, he's been, you know, obviously not having contests in the Olympics. He's been really wanting to hit the streets. So, you know, I've been doing it, but very selective and making sure that's very serious. Um, Mm. Do I feel good about that? No, I'm not helping the curve. But besides that, you know, socially not at all. And I'm fully staying in and even for myself wanting to go skate. I keep it to my mini ramp in the backyard and haven't even been going what like, homey slappy sessions, which look fun and stuff like that. I've been just keeping it real at home. And grocery shopping, I've only done a handful of times, you know, because the food delivery has been pretty tricky. Um, yeah. But, you know, I did breach yesterday, and I'm, like, scared of it, you know? Like, I'm like, okay, you need to quarantine, like, super securely for, like, four days to make sure... You know, that you're clear. Yeah, I
1: was doing the same. Uh, we actually ordered our last round of groceries to be delivered, and it was from Target. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's, it's like Safeway, Whole Foods, all these different places. they are just like no openings. And it's yeah, like,
2: um, uh, yeah, yeah, my brother yells at me. I'm like, I don't know how you're getting these openings because I'm not getting them.
1: Right. Uh, let's start early. You were born and raised in
2: Colorado. Is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah. If we're going to start from the top, um, I'm born in Colorado Springs. I'm raised in a small town called Manitou Springs. Um, you know, my dad was out of the picture. um four years old he moved to Germany so he wasn't in my life but my mother raised me and my identical twin brother Akko and my sister um you know she's an angel and a saint because she had us when she was 21. so it's you know or she was 22. so it's pretty insane to think she was a single mom raising these three kids on her own you know in the 70s and You know, what is like a super conservative state and the fact that she's white and has these half black kids is, you know, like a pretty crazy thing to think about that I've never really thought about until I was older. But, you know, my mom, I take care of her to this day. I bought her a house Christmas in our hometown. So, you know, in Colorado Springs in Manitou Springs.
1: Oh, how sick.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I I'm a full on mama's boy.
1: How good does that feel to buy your mom a house?
2: Oh, it's the best feeling in the Fuck, world. So and, cool. and, you know, it's something that I've always wanted to do. But it's really an amazing feeling to know because she hasn't had the easiest life growing up and to know that she's like the happiest she could be. And it couldn't have timed out any better with this quarantine. She's literally like, thank you. so!" Like, she's so happy. It's like the one person that is fine with the quarantine that i talked
1: to
0: mm.
2: she's like i'm just in the yard working on the garden and cleaning up and planning yeah. and she's just so at peace with everything so you know yeah. that, that's also a lot of a, a big relief for me because my mom's stress is my stress and she's not stressed out so it's great to know that i don't have to worry about my mom
1: what was uh, some of the early things that she, she was obviously an influence on you, like you're such a calm and collect, like seem like pretty low stress dude, like were some things that she kind of taught you at an early age or something? Or
2: Yeah, I mean, she's a hippie and loves reggae music and Rastafarianism, so like we grew up with all those, you know, she wasn't like she was pushing anything on us, but those were the overtones in our house. And I think that's always just really, you know, stuck with me. You know, she knew hippies and Rastas. So that was the vibe in our house. And that's just like something that I always grew towards. So that was just the vibe. So yeah, everything was, you know, it wasn't like it was great. You know what I mean? We definitely grew up on food stamps and welfare and stuff like that. But that also gave me appreciation to anything that i have now because i never thought i would be where i am and that wasn't the plan you know my thing was just to you know be able to live and put a food and pay some rent you know it was never about you know having a house in the hollywood hills or you know all the things that i have that i really appreciate so how did you discover skateboarding that was just the trend (laughs) You know, it was the 80s. All our friends were doing it, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Um, It was eighth grade. There was a skateboard at my neighbor's house and I actually... I'm not proud of it, but I stole it. (laughs) And uh, you know, I just fully stole this skateboard and um, you know, I just fell in love with it. Akko had the first skateboard actually uncle was working know? and he bought a steve caballero and then oh. i stole the neighbor's veriflex and spray painted it like oh they'll never notice and they actually never did uh i don't even know who those neighbors were but um you know i thank them to this day who are
1: some of the early dudes that you were hyped on like your influences that you guys ripped out and put on your wall or whatever like Back then it was Cab?
2: Well, well, Cab was the first board. We were obviously big into the Bones Brigade, but the craziest thing about it is before we started skating, um, we, our mom would always go to this record store called Independent Records in downtown Colorado Springs. There was a demo across the street and it was a H Street demo and it was to Matt Hensley and Ron Allen. Oh. and we went there and when i saw that i was like we already knew what skating was you know like people were doing it but we were like holy shit, that's what i want to do like i remember matt hensley like nose picked the stay like i mean or ron allen did the nose pick hensley was just so stylish and so cool and it was kind of funny all these worlds had kind of combined because our mom had this bar back that was into punk rock and skating. He got all these things, like all our worlds collided. That day was the first time I heard Bad Brains Eye Against Eye, and I remember it to this day. Sick. And he gave me the record later. I didn't know what I was listening to. And then I was like, this is that song I heard in the record store. Because you remembered shit when you couldn't shazam shit or Google it. Like you remembered yeah. everything. You know, then it just became skating became the focus. It was like, okay, how do I find boards? You know, we both started working as busboys in this Mexican restaurant. So, you know, because our mom didn't have money to buy stuff. And I remember Akko being like fully like I saved up. I'm going. I can't remember if it was Wave Raves or Levine's. He went to a skate shop and bought a Schmidt stick yardstick out of the sale bin. because we would buy used boards. But that was the first new board we saw, which was a terrible board because it was basically a long board. Uh, But it had double kick at nose and tail, which was a big thing, because we were around for that change in skateboarding. Everything was like late a year or two, you know, when you really think about it, because the internet wasn't around. So it was 89 when we started. And you know, it was like when the Mike V double kick came out, and you know, flip tricks were really happening, and we weren't good at this point we were still trying our first kickflip which took probably a year to make you know sitting Uh, in the crack stationary and trying it yeah but my you know we were heavily influenced like in our early years honestly like I was like, I loved the Bones Brigade. Like, I loved those graphics, the skulls and stuff. But we were really big into H Street and we were really big because Shackle Me Not, our friend, had the video uh-huh. and the Going video Inside Out. We were like oh, so yeah. into Matt Hensley and Ron okay. Allen and Sal. And we were also really into Alva because of the graphics
1: okay. and the
2: artwork. We were like such Alva dudes. Like, Ed Radigue or I don't know if I'm saying but it had right. So many Chris Cook boards. Oh, Chris Cook was like when you said that he was on my wall. Like yeah. Chris Cook, like it's like this one wheel edger in the pool. I can't remember what, what which if it because I did both have Thrashers and Worlds. and then our right. dad got actually the first magazine subscription I got was uh, Thrasher, and oh, uh, it's really cool because a friend of mine has i got it back from him it was a cover of wade and he had bryce sign it but it has my address on it sick you know so i i was you know loving the magazines and i totally cutting them out and totally putting them all over my walls like photo issues were my favorite because there's like no text on the photos so i just get the right. full bleed uh pictures you know those were the ones and then obviously you know the, here comes the 90s and then plan b just change. I remember Questionable, a friend of mine, you know, yeah. Questionable and Memory Screen and, and and Video Days. Actually, Video Days and Memory Screen are probably the biggest influences on me as a skater and will always be. And, and Plan B was like, you know, I was just like at that point old enough to be like, yo, I want to dress and be and act just like everybody in this video. But also, at the same time, it was funny because, I mean, that was just San Francisco EMB. Like, yeah. that was just really it. And that's when I really fell in love with skating. And then, like, probably a year later, I started, you know, and we were into everything. one hundred and one videos, like, everything that was, I, you know, but all the way to, like, Birdhouse Feasters and the Hookups video. Like, dude, I was mm-hmm. a nerd. Like, I was so obsessed with skateboarding at this point and, and the culture also like i got really into tagging i was like a graffiti dude what was your tag my tag my first one was zinc and then i got arrested with my <laughs> buddy and then you know you're like so paranoid they're gonna know my tags so i changed it to check four which i still write um yeah. but not at all i never write but uh i was really into graffiti i hadn't got into photography just yet I got into huh. photography because I was fighting with Akko and he walked me in the bathroom and I punched the door and broke my hand. And at the same time, there's this guy, Josh Wildman, who's still a really good friend and great photographer, he was always taking pictures. And I just wanted to do everything like Josh, he skated and, uh, you know, he turned me on to so much music. He got, you know, all my friends had turned straight edge at this point. Like me and Akko were drinking and smoking uh really young at like 12 and at 15 i i didn't do anything all i wanted to do was skate yeah and our mom was fine with it she was like if you just come home or tell me where you're gonna be like we had all the freedom in the world so it's kind of funny i look back at that and i'm like well that was a trip because we were like such good kids like we weren't trying to be bad kids i worked at the skate shop deluxe was super big then real and (laughs) stereo changed my life like stereo visual sounds
1: yeah ethan fowler
2: the spitfire video you know i was so into that and then girl came out and i was so into goldfish and i look at that and like skating was like so creative at that point compared to what it was like before not that that's a diss to anyone but I think at that point was like a golden era of skating I think skating still is great and the progression is great but when you really look that like there were these con like stereo was like the big company and so was girl but they were completely polar opposites in creativity yep. you know what I mean like girl was dope and stereo wasn't hash but it was really raw and like just really it was mature but raw and and i think that was like what we see now in skating you know what i mean and especially with you know like like the videos that bill strobeck makes and stuff like that compasses like both of those scenes in one and in an updated version and I think that's why that stuff really resonates with people and and Mm. and people like that stuff I might be biased because you know those are my friends but I think the stuff that he makes is great because it encompasses that energy but it's in his own voice and in his own way and also in 2020 you know it's not like he's trying to recreate what they did but for some reason he can capture that energy and i think that's because everybody you know looks at that stuff from the skaters to him and you know great stuff you can tell is great when it goes by 20 years later and it's still great that's music that's art you know and that's skateboarding
1: yeah absolutely were you a nikon guy or a canon guy what was your first (laughs) camera
2: I was a Nikon dude. I was a full-on really? Nikon dude, and and I was a nerd. I like, literally, was obsessed with like all the Spike Jones, Dan Sturt, Grant Print, those are like, you know, my dudes that really were a heavy influence on me. And, and uh, Luke Ogden, and and Bryce. Oh my God! And then uh-huh. what really like two dudes that really impacted me was Gabe morford and lance dawes slap was a very big influence on me and um you know i was always biased because that's actually where my first photos were ran yeah i was gonna ask what was your first photo my printed? first you- pictures are actually in slap and it's like a two-page spread called for those who contribute it would be like their their photo graffiti but it was a little more elevated and uh-huh. i just have like i think three small photos in it and it's Were the, they
1: random, like, locals from your town? Or?
2: Locals, yeah. Only locals, which was okay. huge. I mean, that was huge. I remember hearing, hey, dude. Like, because we'd just meet at a, what was our EMB, Acacia Park. It was straight up an EMB. It had a stage. that had a big four. It was in 411s. And uh, I remember being like, dude, you and, because my other friend, Evan omero who's awesome, he sent the photos. He sent some of my photos. I didn't even send them. And uh-huh. he sent him to slap, and they got ran. And it was like, oh my god, dude, you got to get down to the park, like these photos. You know, Let's I worked see. at a skate shop, BC Surf and Sport, which actually just closed due to Corona, RIP. You know, that was it. it was just such a different time. That was our Instagram. That was our communication. Like, you sure. know, are you going to the shop today? Talking about the shop and stuff like that, compared to how we do it now. You know, right? Um, but yeah, that that changed me. And then, you know, at that point, Evan was actually talking to Grant Britton. So I actually started a line of communication with him. And um, I had an article that I showed most of the majority of it of my hometown. And that fully got me the bug, you know, like trans world. Yeah. in trans world to think that I could um, to move out to California. Sorry. That gave me the bug.
1: So you moved to California. Before you actually were yes. kind of even connected, so I had
2: only left the state of of Colorado once to go on a skate trip to uh, Las Vegas, and huh. in that trip, we saw Muska, Ryan Fabry, and that dude Joe Namath, and I had photos, and I don't know where these photos are Sick. of Muska skating. They're gone, which is such huh. a bummer. But um. I went out there for a weekend and that was like, whoa, skate trip, first skate trip that wasn't just to Denver, which that was a big deal because I was an hour away. And then do you remember the video of uh, Barbarians at the Gate? Yeah, yeah. So I'm working at the skate shop and I get a call and they're like, hey, Ronnie Krieger and Josh Beagle are coming to town to like film this video and they're looking for a tour guide. And I was like, no fucking way, <sighs> like I'm down yeah you know like i was the photographer with the spots even though i didn't have many spots but i took them skating and i'm actually in that video in the credits you can see me kick turning in the ditch i met josh beagle and he's like dude take my number he was so nice and dude i would torture him i'd call him all the time like i was that (laughs) annoying dude and he's like, dude, come out here. And I was like, oh, all for sure. So I booked a plane ticket. Never been on a plane. When I went to Vegas, i driven. I booked a ticket. I flew to Orange County. This is pre-cell phones. Like, I just got off. I, I waited, I think, an hour for him to show up to pick me up. No he way. He picked me up. We went skating with Heath. I stayed with him for like three days. And I'd, I'd made contact with Grant. And I went and visited Grant for one night, I think, and skated with the Planet Earth dudes. I'd met Ty Evans. This is in 95. And that was New Year's of 95. And I knew, I was like, dude, I came back to Colorado. I was like, Akko, this is it. I love California, dude. Like, I want to move. So I went back out. I visited. I stayed with Ted Newsom Because Grant's like, I'm not having some rando stay with me again. (laughs) Some random 18-year-old. He was probably like 30-something. I visited, and I was like, Akko, I'm moving there, job or no job. I'm going to work at 7-Eleven. Akko got, ironically, got a job assisting Ted Newsom as a junior graphic designer, and he was like only into graphic design for like a couple months. We made a zine, um, and uh, he got the gig, and we moved out there. And I actually... My very first gig was to film, Swift hooked me up, to film Heath and Josh Beagle for Rolling Thunder. Oh. And it was so funny. I mean, these dudes did not give a shit. They were so lazy and, like, totally those dudes, you know? They they were so, it it was hilarious how, like, lazy and how they would just like fuck off on stuff but they would still rip and get tricks and i think i was getting like 50 bucks a day or something and i would do it like three or four days on the weekends and sometimes i'd Uh pick keith up from high school because he was still in high school and that's video right this is video i was but this was the days you kind of did both i was a shitty filmer i'm a shitty filmer for the record (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you did both, and, uh, you know, I, like, totally, you know, was shooting. You shot photos and video at the same time. The video finished. I'd been contributing photos to Transworld, so they were running some stuff, but I'd finished, and I, I was going to get a job at a 7-Eleven. And Grant was actually like, dude, just come and be my assistant. Send photos back to photographers. It's part-time. You can just help me out. So I did that and then actually they needed someone to digitize video footage and film. I was actually more a filmer than a photographer. Yeah, um, you filmed like 16 and shit, right? Yeah, I I think I'm a good six film filmer. I'm not a good video dude. I have so much respect for filmers. Like especially when the camera movement came out, I was like, dude, how do you do that? Like (laughs) left to right, super tight. Yeah. um so yeah i i filmed a bunch of four-wheel drive uh cinematographer which was really great because you know that made me build relationships with andrew and heath and kareem and costin and you know jeremy ray uh right you know i became really close with those dudes from being a filmer and slash photographer um but then skating just got really gnarly and i remember that's when it happened when it was like okay, uh, you got to bring the photographer and film. And I remember having to be like, which one do I do? And I just always was a photographer that I really loved. So I I, I was like, I'm going to be the photographer when it's like two people on the session.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Sick. When you started getting into photography more, what advice could you give kids that are like trying to shoot, but like they don't know any of the big dogs?
2: Well, the big dog thing is, like, I mean, that's so hard, right? Because, you know, it's, it's a different day and age, you know? Obviously, there's still young photographers that are great that are coming up, taking great photos, you know? But I think the biggest thing is just, like, shoot. Like, you have to realize, like, your photos and stuff aren't going to get used in a magazine unless they're better than what's in the magazine, trick-wise and photography-wise. So you have to be on some next level shit now. Um, But I think the biggest thing that I find is like, you know, get involved in the scene that's locally, like get really involved. And you know, it's like shooting your friends lead you to shooting the best skater in town. And usually shooting the best skater in town gets you noticed by his sponsors. Now Instagram is a whole different ball game because you can tag at Thrasher, you can tag whoever your favorite photographer is, who the company is. And you know, Mm. if that gets noticed, they're gonna repost it and you can open a line of communication. But I do think being a photographer, escape photographer in 2020 is probably not the easiest thing because people aren't really paying like they used to. And there's so many photographers still. And old people like me need to get out of the way for the young people. But, um, (laughs) you know, it's really hard to say how to do it now. The day and age of, you know, there's just one magazine. Yeah. That gets a lot of photos sent to it. So it's really just trying to be the best. But, like, if you have a gnarly photo, you know, that's the thing. If you go out and you shoot a gnarly photo of Jamie Foy and you're an unknown photographer and he's... Flying down, you know, five kinks. He's frontside crooking five kinks. That photo's gonna get used. So you know, it's trying to get yourself into the opportunity to shoot and skate with the best that would get that stuff used.
1: Right. I always wondered when you were working for Trans World, what was the uh, attitude over there um, about Thrasher? Like, what, <laughs> did you guys? Like, were you consciously competitive? Were you like, there are different things? Like, what was your vibe over there?
2: I mean, yes. I mean, I th- I think, you know, for the old school dudes, there was always that thing. But I think that was more of a NorCal, SoCal, Thrasher, Indie thing.
1: Yeah. It was definitely like that NorCal, SoCal That was real. Thing.
2: That was real back yeah. then. And, and, I mean, I remember I have this story where you know, I was skating with Bob a bunch. And I was always like, dude, I'm just me. I never really picked a side. I never was like, you know, I, I knew Burnett when I was young from Colorado. Um, you know, I didn't have a problem with anyone. Like, I remember I went to Thrasher and I was like, Bob, this isn't a good idea. He's like, just come in. It'll be fine. I was like, dude, it's not going to be fine because I know how that was with People And that was a real thing in the 90s, you know what I mean? For sure. But I was, you know, I'm from Colorado, so I can't claim NorCal SoCal. Like, yeah. I get the dudes who do it, you know what I mean? But I can't. Like, I'm from Colorado. I can't claim anything. I can't claim Transworld. And it's not like I founded it, you know? I get yeah. why these dudes who founded it have that passion, whether it's or whether it's Transworld um you founded something you know you were at the beginning like those dudes were at the beginning of (laughs) skateboarding really yeah but i remember going in there and fausto was so nice he was right at the front and he's like dude let me show you like he was the nicest dude let me show you all around and he's showing me around and i'm just like dude i know (laughs) when jake sees me it's on like i (laughs) i know it you know, and this was like after the Billy Pepper thing had happened. So I already knew yeah. like going in there was like, I mean, I was like, I can't believe I'm in Thrasher, you know, because I had a subscription as was a kid. He's like, and this is Jake Phelps in his office. And Phelps just looks at me and goes, do you know who the fuck that is? And Fausta <laughs> looks at me and he's like, that's Atiba from fucking Transworld. Get him the fuck out of here. And I'm just like. Before Fausto could say anything, because I felt so bad because he had been so nice and I felt like I didn't want to feel like he was betrayed, I was like, don't worry, I'll leave. And I just went outside. And Bob was oh. actually bummed, like, fuck that. And I was like, dude, me, I told you that was going to happen. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it was it was a really funny uh, situation. Wow. That's a cool but story. you know, like as far as a uh, magazine, you know, I mean, Transworld was insane then. And. Mm-hmm. My whole thing that I've always learned is be cool with everyone in skating because it's skating and we had enough problems with not being cool. But like Transworld was insane and it was so big that they were in their own bubble. You know what I mean? And that's the thing about Thrasher. Like to me, there, there was never really a competition because each one was so different. You know, Thrasher is Thrasher and I think that's why Thrasher is here today, <laughs> you know, because it always stuck to what it was, always stuck to being core. It always stuck to its roots. And, you know, this is no dig at Transworld, but Transworld, once it got sold, it became this corporate thing. And that's it, exactly eventually why, you know, I and the other guys left because it was, dude, it was just this fucking corporate thing yeah. that's not core. And when you look at Thrasher, it never sold out to that shit. And, you know, to me, that's why it is there. But I always looked at that, like, how can we even compete or be trying to be better or anything? Because it's a different thing. You know, I always looked at it and went like, damn, they're they are psyched. They don't have to deal with the bullshit. You know what I mean? And, you know, you have to give props to Mike because Burnett really did a lot to work super hard to make that magazine grow because it was small at that point uh smaller in trans world and you know and you look now you know what i mean and even when we started the skateboard mag and did that i was like dude you there's no competition you we just need to stay in our lane and do our own thing you know because thrasher is what thrasher is you know and to me you know in skating there should never be a competition i don't even really I'm a big fan of contests because I'm like skating is just a creative thing that you do it's not points it's not you know who's winning with the most toys it's just like this family that you know I think we all should be stoked to contribute to and to give exposure to
1: right yeah I've always liked the thrasher style of contest where it's kind of just more of a a get together of like the people you want there and then just a rad session and we'll give a winner but it was more just about the day like Buster Bale at Wallenberg's just like a fucking rad day and you're just like okay this is some
2: sick skating yeah it's just skating and and the thing is I think you know being honest and being someone who got kicked out and looking back (laughs) at it I think if there wasn't you know for us lucky few that you know, like I'm so unbelievably blessed and honored to work for Thrasher and to have shot a cover of Thrasher. You know, that was like literally the happiest day of my life to have that. If there was never that friction, I don't think it would be so sweet for me to be part of the family now. You know what I that mean? Sad. Like, yeah. it's, it, and it really shows how cool everyone has been to me and that it is just about skating to like, open their arms to me and not just me but other people that you know obviously have gone through the hiccups I mean Tony Hawk rides for Indy yeah. like like for the old school who really knows about those kind of beefs like that was and that's like a big thing yeah. for Tracker Larry you know for I remember Costin riding for indie. that was a big yeah. deal you right. know what I mean for like just the changing of the guard and just to be like you know, let's all, you know, be a family. And I think that that's what's amazing about Tony also, Vitella. Like, he, I met him as a kid. I remember Andrew being like, hey, is it weird if Tony comes to your house? Like, I know you got kicked out. And I was like, no, dude, like, I don't, I, I, I'm i not tripping, dude. Like, it's huh. all good. Like, dude, I have no problem with anyone. And like, so Tony what? and Sally are, like, my brother and sister you know
1: well with that being said what was it like when we combined forces to go on that skate rock trip
2: that was amazing that honestly was like that's when i was like this is this this is so dope like you know i remember it you know and it was like is this gonna happen you know like is everyone gonna be cool because you know totally. Jake is Jake. Like everyone who everyone who knows Jake is fucking it's Jake, you know? And you know, I think it was great because we had already played shows with bad shit, you know, and the goat being on that tour. And like me and Mike's history was super cool. You know, obviously I knew you and, and, and you know, me and P-Stone went way back to like pal days. But it was like, you know, you're like, oh, shit, how's this going to work? Just with so many skaters, who gets what? It couldn't have worked any more perfect. You know, days when Mike wasn't there and I was there or vice versa. We just kind of all maneuvered as far as getting an article, getting video, having Ty there. But everyone being super respectful i mean that's like one of the greatest trips i've ever been on like straight up if not the greatest trip every day was just so fun and so great and
1: first day we just went straight to the fucking atlanta block yeah (laughs) exactly
2: like the energy and and it kept going i mean all the way to grant and, and pat just like Oh, we're going to Brooklyn, dude. Like, what? Like, I thought you were just showing us around Atlanta. Um, Jump in. Yeah, jump in the fucking van. And just, like, when you look back at that, we were so lucky. Like, as much as, like, I, you know, wish I would have went to skate rock to Mexico or Asia. Dude, an American one like that, that, that. I mean, there's been some great skate rocks. But that one to me will always be such a heavy one because the worlds were also so different with sober people to drunk people, you know what I mean? Like the sober bands to the drunk bands to, you know, the chaos (laughs) to the non-chaos. And I pivot between both of them because you know, half my band is this straight edge band and I'm like the partier with Spanky and Beagle like out every single night. Yeah, that was that was a special trip, man. How long had you guys been a band before that trip? What year is that trip? Like two thousand ten or eleven? Ten, I think. Two thousand ten. So they had probably so. been a band four years. I I joined the band in 2008. How did
1: that all? How did you get involved with that? Like they had already been a band, they and then been you been jumped a band
2: in and, and played some shows and put out, I think, a ten inch. And um, they were recording something or i can't remember if they were recording it must have been a recording they wanted me on they wanted piano on it or some kind of keyboard and i learned a song and and went to practice and did it and then they were like dude we sound so much fuller with you do you want to join the band And I was like, hell yeah, like, of course, you know, that's actually my first picture in Thrasher that I was in, was in a GOAT uh, music page. Yeah, it was really great because, you know, those are my best friends and I'd played in a band once, but the GOAT is such a special thing to me because we've never gotten in a fight. There's never any drama. We all love each other so much. We all skate. And it's literally like a family, you know? Like, it sucks, we haven't played in a couple years now. We haven't played in a long time. But, you know, that's just everyone's schedules. But like, I will look at those, I mean, there was never a problem in that band. Um, And the experiences that we had opening for the Bad Brains, opening for Panda (sighs) Bear, uh, you know, doing a Cat Power tour, playing FYF, the festival here. You know, we did all the things you want to accomplish as a band, but that wasn't the focus. That wasn't the plan. It was, you know, just to make songs and play some shows, you know? Yeah. Um, and just seeing Andrew, obviously Andrew is Andrew Reynolds, but seeing him be so happy doing it and, you know, him being one of my longest, best friends, but also seeing how scared he gets is kind of i I'm like, why are you scared, dude? He's like, <laughs> this is scarier than frontside flipping Hollywood. Like, I'm terrified. Yeah. Um. And you know, everyone in the band is so different, and and we're we're the the, the definitely most eclectic, weirdest band I think that's ever approached. Uh, you know, skate. I love rock. the
1: four one one intro.
2: Yeah, dude. I mean there were there were so many fun ideas, DMX covers and oh, you man. know, stuff like that was just it's really fun. And Shane is amazing. I mean, he's like such a good front man and spanky. I mean energy. Yeah, everybody would play their role so great and you know, even the Thrasher party in Paris the opening for Dinosaur oh, Junior. Oh. Like you look back at that now oh my god
1: that was one that was all time for me I was like holy shit Peabody got the cover it was just
2: insane it was the whole that whole trip was really special and really beautiful and I'm like so glad like Peastone putting Akko to bed in the hallway (laughs) yeah I mean that was our birthday it was me and Akko's birthday the day we played and I remember going on stage I never would play drunk and I'm like I am so drunk (laughs) (laughs) It <laughs> was a messy set, dude, and I'll tell you what. Who the hell is Billy? Billy is, like, a fictitious character. Like, Billy's just, like, a cool guy. Billy's, like, we, 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 we're jealous of Billy. That's okay. why it's like, fuck you, Billy. Yeah. Because Billy would get everything that we wanted that we couldn't get.
1: Well, um... As we let you go, what what song should we take it to? What's your favorite song to play?
2: My favorite goat song, um, yeah. God, I love so many, but um, I don't know. Do you have faster? That was yeah. like is my like faster is so fun to me.
1: I always like love that shit and uh, the bathroom below one, bitches. <laughs>
2: <laughs> See, that's the thing, I love them all, like, Bathroom Blow is so fun to play. That was a really fun song to play, and that was always our last song, so that song... Or no, it's let the
0: last song? No,
2: it's Bathroom Blood.
0: Bitches in the bathroom doing blow All cuddled up in the bathroom stall Waiting in line, just to snort that sin Five to a 20 back, there's never enough your knees, scrape the ground, lick what's left, the things they do, for that powder blow. Bitches, bitches in the bathroom, do it.
2: I actually, have, I actually have a set list, I think.
1: Shane would always go,
0: Atiba. You know I do.
2: Oh, yeah. All the cues. Yeah, I have the 30 years of skate rock. I found this. Oh, sick. Sorry, the, the sound check.
1: The skate rock trip, something that people don't necessarily know is that when you go on like a 10 to 14 day trip where you're playing five to eight or nine different shows and so the band is playing like every night or every other night the whole crew by the end of the tour is singing along they all know the songs and it's like a
2: sick anthem well the cool thing about skate rock is you have your built-in fans like you have the dudes that will start the pit Sing yeah. the songs and get it going, which is dope because it's not like we're some big band where everybody knows everything. No, it's like yeah, sick. we're like
1: a twenty-five man party br- coming to a club. It's like we don't even need anyone else. No, we
2: didn't. You never felt like, dude, is anyone going to show up because everyone was there and they brought it fucking hard. And I mean, bad shit just brought the cats. Like, I honestly, we would. Go back and forth who opened, and I'd just be like, "Dude, let's just open because once bad shit plays, the chaos is. It's like then we get kicked out. Exactly, like the odds of a fight, kicked out, neck face with fireworks or a blowtorch. Like, no, dude. Especially our setup. Like we have extra shit. I'm switching between keyboards and a bass. Like, dude, it was fucking a nightmare to get my gear out of there in one <laughs> piece. Like,
1: do you remember that
2: karaoke bar we went to? Oh, dude. <laughs>
1: I think it was like North Carolina. Yeah, it was North Carolina. And Pat jumped through a fucking table.
2: yeah. It, it, it was a uh, open <laughs> mic night, dude. Yeah, that's how we got the gig. Remember, we didn't we didn't have a show that night, and they were like, "Let's get a show." It was Phelps like, "Let's get a fucking show." Yeah. It's like there's this open mic, and oh my and god, we lit
1: fireworks off inside the place. inside.
2: It's so <laughs> fucked up to do what we did but so necessary it was like yeah. it was sick Fuck. all right well let's uh pause this i'm gonna pause right okay. where it is hey it's matt d at dlx skate shop 1831 market at guerrero as in tommy come see us real anti-hero crooked thunder venture spitfire we are here every day of the week except the big holidays we've got a curb and we've got smiles on our faces come let us get you stoked
3: all house and no skate has made McKenny a real dull boy Greg here's your public service announcement for the week guys be safe stay indoors if you got a designated spot to go, go skate with a homie or two. Cause I just had a blast yesterday with Jordan on his DIY at Montero. It was so killer, guys. But outside of that, what I'm seeing is a bunch of highway patrol and a bunch of popo waiting to give you guys thousand dollar tickets. So unless you got a place to go, don't risk it. And this is the point. They're not making any money. So they're gonna come up you to try to get that money. So stay away. Don't drink and drive, especially, dude, you don't need a Dewey right now. You don't need any of that. They're out on the hunt. I'm seeing them right and left. Stay safe and stay indoors for a couple more weeks, man. Sorry.
1: Hey, it's Corey at Blue Plate, 3218 Mission Street. Come see us, meatloaf, fried chicken, deviled eggs, dollar Olympia beers. We're here every day of the week. We got a garden and we got smiles on our faces. Come let us make you happy. We got part two right now. Hopefully the audio all meshes that we just did a little intermission and we're back. But uh, we got to talk a little bit more in detail, I think, about the Paris trip because it was insane. That was my first time to Europe and I went to Copenhagen uh, first before that and fucking, I got on the plane to the news of Swanson's death. And I got off the plane in Copenhagen and it was just me and Jake for the first five days. And Jake was a train wreck. I thought he was gonna kill himself because of Swanson. And then we went, so Copenhagen, as rad as the place is, I loved it and stuff. It was just like a gnarly experience for me to, to deal with everything that was going on at that time. And then when we went to Paris, it just switched. It was literally like, okay, we're back. And it was the funnest shit ever. The vibes were great. And then you guys flew in. It was your fucking birthday. Both you and Akko came in. Spanky, Beagle, Reynolds. There's a half pipe in front of a museum. Uh, There was like an indoor, uh, some weird like replica of like a house that you could skate inside. And Peabody got the cover. But uh, you guys played with bad shit and opened up for Dinosaur Jr.,
2: Yeah, it it was such a crazy experience because, you know, when we got asked to do it, I was like, of course, I would love to, you know, just to to be with the homies again on some skate rock shit. But I was like, the only catch is like, that's like on my birthday, you know, and like, you know, I like to spend my, you know, my birthday is really special because it's our birthday with my twin brother. So I'm like, yo, only way we can really do this is if, <clears throat> you guys fly Ako over too. It was through America. They were paying for the travel and they were like 100%. I mean, God, that shows you how good skating was. They were like, Yeah, we'll, we'll take care of everything. So I was like, Sweet, let's do it. And, uh, you know, it was like an in and out mission, you know, because we were just really there to play the show. It wasn't like skating or anything. So I think I was there. If I remember, we took a red eye or something. We landed first thing in the morning, slept in a hotel. Woke up, cruised around, went to the museum, loaded in, sound check. I remember we started partying and, our, you know, we had the green room with bad shit. Dinosaur Jr. was, like, down the hall. And everyone was just partying. That was just, like, what we were going to do. That's what we do. So it was a little extra turned up. They got <laughs> us a, a Budweiser cake. It was sick. And everybody was just partying, you know, both bands. Everybody It was just, like... Such good vibes. But like Dinosaur Jr., you know, I remember Jake and Jay Mascus kicking it so hard. And I had interviewed Jay before, and like he doesn't open up much. But it was really cool because both of them being from Mass, you could tell they just had such a history. I'd never seen Jay Mascus be so stoked to talk to someone. And Jay's an old skater and, you know, loves skating. And obviously Jake loves music and specifically me and Jake always would bond about Boston hardcore and punk like Jerry's kids and shit. it was just really cool to see how stoked both him and Jay were just on each other and the vibe. And I remember we were so loud and out of control on our backstage, like doing shots and like getting ready before the show. Yeah. It was also, it was like, like I was saying earlier, like I never played drunk. I have a couple of drinks or a couple shots before a show, but like, I kind of have a lot of stuff to keep track of because I'm playing keyboards and I go between different patches and I switch between bass So I kind of have, like, multiple things going on. And I remember Murph, the drummer, walking by and just looking at us. And it wasn't, like, a look of disgust. It was more like, whoa. You know, like, you know, Tony's putting face paint on, getting ready for the show. Everyone's just, like, just raging. And I remember being like, damn, we are those dudes. We are that band, you know, the one that's just drunk and, like, not giving Uh, a fuck. But, um... You know, it was, uh, I remember getting on stage and kind of forgetting that, like, Dinosaur Jr. is a big band and we're at this big event. I forget what the capacity was. It was big. Five to 700 people. Probably, yeah. And I remember being like, I mean, the good thing is we were the first band to play. Bad Shit Mm -hmm. played after us. So I remember being, like, stoked because... Like just get through the show, and it was really trippy because there was a 360 screen around it. Yeah. So oh, like yeah. the visuals, like I kept finding myself like playing and looking at the vision. It was a very confusing, hectic show because the room was packed. But the the vibe was great, and I remember just you know, batchet fucking being batchet like kind of like whoa, <clears throat> dinosaur junior, get ready. <laughs> And, you know, Dino killed it. And it was like me, Akko and GT in the pit most of the time with a bottle just getting hammered. Right. It was a great time, man. It was like the the, and and like the one thing we forget about is the art exhibit was 30 years of Thrasher was the art exhibit was so sick and just amazing. And like the skate vibe, it was like literally probably the most perfect setting for a show for a bunch of skaters you know like the yeah. history that was there the artwork that was there the pros and just skaters period that were in there there's
1: like a 40 foot mini ramp out in front
2: yeah it was crazy and you're in paris like you're not yeah. home you know but the funny thing is we we had like some dj gig lined up me akko and beagle that we did it like a, a like straight club. And I remember Akko being so faded, Beagle got him home, you know, like early, like I stayed out until sunrise. And then Akko going back, you know, I think the lobby call was super early. We all had those early flights. Yeah. You we we were, were on, on the same too. flight. Yeah, yeah we who, were on the same flight. Yeah. And uh, I remember Akko like coming out in Peace Stone, being like your brother, he was still asleep in the hallway, but, Peace stone was like, your brother fell asleep in the hallway, so I gave him blanket and pillow. <laughs> My brother couldn't even get into his room. And you guys, I remember I, <clears throat> you guys leaving. I have a photo somewhere. I have to, to get it. I think it was you guys. Like, you and Spanky and Andrew were all headed to the airport way early. Uh, we were on maybe the Maybe same- you guys weren't. Maybe it was just Andrew and Spanky because they were going on a separate trip. I can't remember. But I remember partying with you guys at the uh, airport. Yeah. And Akko and Stone were raging, right? <laughs> and I remember being like, damn, this is going to be a long flight for Akko because he was still <laughs> just tying it on from what we were doing. So.
1: Yeah. Fuck, that was so cool. That was definitely a highlight. Yeah.
2: Like- we We are lucky people, <clears throat> man. That is for sure.
1: How did you start shooting the basketball stuff like shooting the NBA guys and all that stuff was that through trans world media
2: no not at all Um, that was like this weird perfect storm there's an art director he actually works for Globe now named Herb George who was working for Slam magazine and he was a skater and he just was familiar with my stuff and he was like dude I think it would be rad if this guy shot some stuff so Slam gave me some high school shoots And I was a huge, I've always been a huge basketball fan since high school, and, um, you know, I would go to Laker games and sneak my camera into games. And my brother was, like, had a contact with the NBA because he was buying photos for Warp, and he was telling the head of photo at the NBA, like, hey, my brother shoots photos, you know, and they're like, we always look for new guys, like, you know, like, come send a portfolio. So I sent a portfolio and uh he was like dude i'd love to put this dude in contact with andy bernstein who's the team photographer for the lakers Fuck. so we did that and you know that was a huge step for me because andy took me under his wing and totally taught me how to do basketball photography and wow. at the same time with that, andy um was just teaching me overall commercial photography. I learned a lot from Andy. You know, Grant Brenton and Andy Bernstein taught me a lot about photography.
1: Like lighting and all that.
2: Yeah, but Andy, the, the crazy thing on some like nerdy tech stuff, the thing that Andy taught me was like how to shoot with a Hasselblad and how to stop action super sharp. And in skating, that had been done before, but it wasn't a regular thing. And that's like, you know, one thing that, I was able to contribute to skating was that kind of lighting and photography, um, Mm. but which comes from basketball. And, uh, you know, I really owe him for giving me a different look in skating because besides that, I was just kind of ripping off everybody's style. (laughs) Mm. The
1: basketball photography kind of helped your skating
2: photography. Oh, 100%. And my skateboarding helped my basketball because I was taking things from that and you know and just being a skate photographer being able to do shit quick and be on the grind and you know all that all that stuff you know goes over to it so
1: where is it Lakers was the first sh- like NBA stuff you did
2: well it was all happening at the same time so yeah mm-hmm. but Lakers and Clippers I was assisting the team photographers so I was just there shooting every game and you know, helping him out when he had like a Kobe Sprite shoot or anything like that. I was his assistant, like his third, he had three assistants and I was like the lowest on the totem pole.
1: So how do you compare like your first experience with like a Kobe Bryant versus your first experience with like a Tony Hawk? Like are your, are your nerves like, Yeah, are you-
2: I mean, the, you know, like you, you pick a great comparison because both of those are the greatest to do what they've ever done. Right. Uh Um, And, you you know, I knew that when I was pointing a camera at them. So, you know, you just I don't really get nervous. I mean, you know, I'd be lying if there wasn't a little bit of nervous. But like whenever it's a big opportunity like that in any world, skating or basketball, I just really try and like focus knowing that, you know, this is going to be an opportunity that I don't want to mess up. But more than that, I want to do as good as I possibly can for it.
1: So you don't put um, so much pressure on yourself that it, like, makes you sick or uncomfortable or
2: something. No, no. I'm, like, ready for big moments in that sense.
1: That's a good uh, trait to have. What are some of your favorite skate photos, like, of all time?
2: I mean, Dan Sturt, the Matt Hensley sombrero, Ollie. Oh, yeah. That one is, you know, like, the freeway one was so sick, but the sombrero one... Is like unbelievable to me. You know, it's like, it's. I mean, I'm just a big fan of him. I mean, the the, the Water Tower too.
5: The Did Jeremy Ray, Ray
2: Water Tower cover of Thrasher is one of the gnarliest photos tricks ever, ever done. Yeah, it's um, cool. It's you know those kind of opportunities don't come often in your career of shooting photos and danster like would just come up with those all the time so you know those two you know but then there's like a million spike jones photos (laughs) right like i'm a huge spike fan so you know like god my favorite spike photo there's i mean there's too many like i love the whole nada stuff and all the the gone stuff but i also like his later stuff like the girl ads when he was getting really creative was awesome You know, it's weird. There's weird photos, man. There's like, you know, like Mike Carroll, the nose wheelie at EMB. Yeah. That's like one of my favorite. It's just like, it's a nose wheelie, which was never like a still that you really like focused on, but it was, it was awesome. Rick Howard, the spike all red photo.
1: Was Big Brother.
2: Yeah, Big Brother. That was the, the cover of that. Because it was like yeah. the first setup photo that was just so sick. You know, uh, another one that always I loved was Keenan Milton Switch Crook at Wallenberg Dawes. It mm-hmm. was a slap cover that I would just stare at forever. Um, the style of Keenan, but the lighting of that was so great. Um, I mean, a million Morford photos. Dune, cruising down the hill on that, like, you know, metal wheel board is one of the greatest photos literally ever. You know, so much of Gabe's deluxe stuff is like, you know, like, I go back to when I was a fan, but I, I look at new photos, too, and I'm, like, really blown away about, like, when something's really special. I mean... Burnett that Clive Dixon cover is ridiculous.
1: Kind of an homage to the Jeremy Ray one.
2: Yeah, but like as much as it is, it's like he still did it's so great, you know. It is like right. like that stuff just doesn't come along in life like often. So, you know, there's the there's there's that stuff and also like the portraiture stuff that Spike and also Gabe was really good at capturing too. And and Tobin, I mean, Tobin's a huge influence on me. Um, you know, Cardiel, the Horns. You know, yeah. I mean, I still think the Gabe, fifty-fifty on that gold rail. Oh, at Levi's. Yeah, that's like one yeah. of the greatest skate photos of all time. Pfft. No, and like the story
1: that goes behind it. Yeah, too.
2: everything about that is just ridiculous. You know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, but there's so much. You know, like, a lot of that early Thrasher stuff just because, like, I was a kid looking at the subscription that I had. So, you know, like, Cardi Skater of the Year issue was, like, such a big thing. And also, like, another one that I really always loved was Solomon's portrait cover. I really, like, gravitated towards stuff that was different um, in skating, photo- in skate photography like that.
1: Rad. Wasn't, didn't uh, Arto and Jason, like, uh, surprise you with the sturt
2: photo yeah man that was like one of the sweetest things that anyone's done for me like you know for jason jesse and, and arto to do that was just like so sick to give me like a print of the matt Hensley sombrero ollie like they surprised me like come to arto's and like right. you know that thing is just hanging in the prime spot of my living room like so it's on it, your wall yeah 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 yeah. jason's such a sweetheart for that sick
1: a little bit about thrasher uh what have some of the early highlights for you been since you've been working there you've been there for like what two and a half years two and and a half
2: years yeah um honestly like the cover getting the cover of jamie foy front crook on el toro was (sighs) heavy it was so heavy i mean a it was first try um (laughs) But be just to be able... You know, it's like covers... Man, it's the hardest magazine to work for and get a cover. And I say that in an the, the awesome way because when you get a cover of Thrasher, it makes it that much more sweet. I've definitely gotten close to getting it a couple times and I realize how hard it is, you know, what the competition is and, you know, not that it's a competition, but what the other great photos are that you're up against. Um, right. So that's just like you know uh, such a such a great thing but i was just you know like not to to get dark and you know it's a highlight but also the sadness was like i was so stoked to be working with p-stone and obviously jake because they're such legends you know so it was a little heartbreaking to you know especially p-stone to lose him before we could go on the trip working together for Mm. you know the mag but just to be able to say I was there when they were there, it's, like, such an honor, you know? It's, like, for me, I it's not that I've been loyal to one team, you know what I mean? It's not like I jump around, but it's the fact that, like, I feel like I'm so lucky to have worked for, like, these great staples in skateboarding. But Thrasher is obviously completely the best one. And, mm. you know, to... Be able to, you know, finish my career working for the best magazine and a career that's been like 25 years now is amazing. And, you know, probably the highlights the Christmas parties. Those are yeah. my like <laughs> clam house people. Like, you have to be in the circle to know how fucking awesome and how much of a family Thrasher it is. It's like no dig at previous people that I've worked for because I wouldn't be here without those people and everyone's great. But, There's been nothing better than working for Thrasher. Um, You know, like Mike and Tony, I've never felt like so supported and, you know, treated not like an employee, but like a family member.
5: And that's
2: like... That's so rare, you know. And I have worked for multiple companies, so I know what the feeling is like. But honestly, like, it's not like a job; it's like a family, and I think that's great because it makes me want to work harder and do the best I can for them. Sick,
1: yeah, yeah. I remember your first Sodi party. You're like,
0: I've never been to one yeah, of these, I've
4: never <laughs> and
2: been you to were on so crutches. I yeah. think, right? Yeah, I had a broken foot. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, that was also awesome, like, right when I got there, TJ, someone who I got on as one of his first sponsors, um, to see him win Skater of the Year, you know, yeah, it was so sick, and, you know, to have shot the cover for him for Skater of the Year, it's just, like, you look back at, like, a lot of stuff I've done, you know, I felt was great in the moment, and, and, you know, I think some of the stuff was, but, like, You know, when you get those monumental covers for Thrasher, you realize like they're going to really pass the test. Like, you are working for something that will, is like super ingrained into skateboard history because of what it is.
1: Coming up on 40 years. It's insane. It's Uh, so
2: crazy, dude. Yeah. What year is 40th? Is it?
1: I think the next year. Next year, right? Because 81 to. 21
2: yeah yeah oh, god what's that party so, gonna be like
1: <laughs> yeah hopefully they do another those photo shows that like you said they were so cool like they're inside the i mean
2: dude
1: mofo to kt yeah, to yeah. bryce to luke it i mean just dude like um so sick you Tobin. know
2: the account um is it from the crypts
1: oh yeah yeah from the crypt it's yeah. just
2: from the crypt right? right that account i don't think people know it's like One of like, not it is the best skate nostalgia. Yeah, he's in the dark room scanning the old photos. (laughs) No, it's insane. I've seen the setup, and that's the one thing that's a little sad about my own career. Like what you threw away, what you didn't take photos of, and realize like in thirty years it was going to be sick. Like I didn't shoot a lot of lifestyle until kind of later when digital came out because it was free. You know, back then like one frame cost X amount of money so you had to be like good with it you know so it, it's it's great to see that history
1: so uh how long's the party mode gonna go for
2: <laughs> Wait, like... i mean now the party mode's fucked up yeah i might not get back to party mode anymore are yet. you
1: doing any of these dj sets from your house <laughs> like
2: A team alive tonight at one a.m. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some stuff with Jaegermeister and go live, but more of that stuff will be, you know, similar to this. Me talking about photography and my career, and you know, opening up my my world to people online, which I normally don't do. I don't do a lot of podcasts because I always say I never want people to have to listen to me for over an hour and a half. But yeah, the parting. I mean, for me, obviously, getting older, the hangovers suck, but. Yeah. I've been one of those people that's like, you never let the party affect your work or your life because then you have to not party. So I hope I can party for the rest of my life because I, I'm i a social butterfly. I'm hyper social. Um, yeah. I love my friends, man. And they always have been there for me. And, you know, my friends like to go out. <laughs> so that's how we become friends, you know, but... Uh, This quarantine is definitely spinning things. And what I want to come out with this, and, you know, I did a lot of self-reflecting. I definitely will party more, but be a little bit smarter about seeing different friends and making the time to hang out, whether it's just dinner or whatever. Like, I miss so many people. And I realized, like, the last 10 years, I just go out so much to just go out and, you know, I really want to take advantage of every second once this is over to be able to have like human contact with people and do it right. So yeah, the party will continue. I mean, at Jaeger, at Budweiser, and they've been so great to me to make partying super fun. Like, you know, I do these private concerts down here that Thrasher helps me with and Jaeger helps me with, and I want to do those. And, you know, Budweiser sending, Dude, Me what and was my with the homies to the Super Bowl, Malto, Nuge, Costin, Mark Razzo, you know, like Ryan Garchel, you know, that was one of the greatest things I've ever done, you know. So, yeah, you know, you, you got to pick your, you know, I also didn't drink all of January knowing what the Super Bowl was going to be. Oh. So, you know, I take my one month off a year just to keep myself in check. I, I was straight edge too. at one point.
1: I used to always stop drinking in February because it was the shortest month of the oh, year. Oh, that's
2: what I always say. February's <laughs> yeah. the best. It's super <laughs> short. It's great. Yeah. Uh, why? Why Jaeger though? I love Jaeger. I love. I the used taste to love it. it too. I love the way it makes me feel. Like it's like you know, all alcohol makes you feel different, you know. Right. And Jaeger is just like an upper to me. Like I just get fired up. Like I've just always loved it, Tino... And Mark Rosso got me going on Jaeger probably, like, 2000, 2001. Yeah. And it's just, I'm a I'm a creature of habit. Fish. Like, I'm a loyalist. Like, you know, it's like SF. Like, I want to go to Zona Rosa. Like, that's my first stop always. Like, everyone's like, really, dude? I'm like, I'm going to Zona Rosa. Yeah. Um, you know, New York, as I go to Max Fish, I go to Little Frankie's and Takahashi. You know, Mm -hmm. L.A., you know, it's, you know, Cha-Cha Lounge, go to Black. Like, I'm very selective.
1: Dude, what was the pizza spot you sent me to in Chicago? That place Oh,
2: dude, Pequod's. Yeah. Pequod's. So, it's (laughs) like, yeah, I'm, like, very specific. So, that's how I want my drinks. That's how I want my food, you know. It's all the same. So, yeah, I think me and Jaeger, you know, partner for life.
1: True or false, you used to buy 12-packs. Take him back to your room and just practice doing the thumb punch. Oh, uh, yeah.
2: When I first learned that, I literally was practicing in the shower because it would spray <laughs> everywhere. You know, I blame my divorce on Jerry Sue teaching me that trick, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> yes, I would go through cases just to practice it. Like, it's, uh, you know, it's an addiction.
1: Fuck <laughs> yeah. Well, fuck, dude. I don't want to take too much of your time. Um, how can we, uh, final thing is like with this coronavirus and everything, keeping it positive, uh, being respectful, being yeah. like, you know, responsible, but li- like you and I said, before we started talking, it's like, we're skaters. We don't want to like, but you have to. Yeah. I mean, like I, I, this think, shit
2: serious. I think the thing is, this is a very serious thing and we're really seeing how serious it was. You know, there's 700 deaths yesterday alone in New York. That's mm. tragic. That's scary. But I think what we all have to realize is this is also a good time for all of us to like turn this negative into a positive. So whether you wanted to read a book, whether you wanted to learn a song, you know, whether you wanted to make a puzzle, make a model, whether you wanted to clean your office, clean your brain, you know, this is the time to do that. And, And I know for some younger people, that's something you've never thought of. But when you're older, you'll realize that it was actually really special to have this time to do that stuff. So, you know, not not using it to be depressed and be bummed is the best yeah. thing you can do. You, But it's also tricky. You have to be respectful of elders. You have to be respectful of people's space. You have to be respectful of making sure you just have to live your life like you have it right now. So you don't give it to anyone. And as far as skating goes... Yeah, it's it's hard to not want to skate these spots and do the thing. And honestly, I can't be mad at any skater for doing it. You know what I mean? We've been so oppressed with shit that like, how can I be like, dude, you shouldn't be skating. But at the same time, you know, you are at risk for doing that. So is it really worth it? If you are going to go out and skate and Breach, make it worth it. It's like going to the grocery store make it worth it but you know obviously no there is a high risk out there and i think for the pros it's a not the best example to show them at spots you know as much as we do on our social media you yeah. know it, it, it's really we want to set a good example for people to be safe and healthy and that's have gloves on and wear a mask because if you are going to leave and you make the precautions not to spread the virus then that's okay
1: well i just saw on the social media Thrasher did it again, and the fucking Jeff Grosso cover is insane, and big props go to uh, Cameron, who works his ass off. No, Nobody knows what Cameron does behind the scenes, and for them to pull this off during this period, we got coronavirus, we're locked down, and then Jeff dies, and on deadline. It, it, we didn't have a big turnaround. I saw the cover today and I was just so fucking stoked and proud of those guys. No,
2: that was, um, you know, all people passing is tragic and super hard. But, you know, Jeff is a tough one because he like oozed, you know, it's the same thing with Preston. It's the same thing with Jake. You know, these are guys that really just are skateboarding, you know, Mm -hmm. and... And they're rare and they're special. Jeff just hit us when everybody is obviously in the, in this crazy state and mind state. But it's also tough when they have kids.
1: So tough, yeah,
2: it's heartbreaking. And you know, anyone who's lucky to know Jeff, you know, I knew Jeff. We weren't super close, but we we, we texted. Like I was so stoked to have that relationship with him. I only shot photos of him once. But his board graphic for me as a kid was, like, the one you always wanted. I wanted the Coca-Cola one so bad, dude. And I remember this kid, Rick, had it. And he was, like, a little, like, rich kid. It was, like, annoying. Also, at the same time, I looked back at the text with Jeff. And the the last thing we were texting about was I was shooting... photos of cat stevens and and i knew he loved cat stevens so i was sending him these photos and uh Sick. he's like dude how lucky are our lives it was like yeah. one of the last things he said to me and that is so special and i cherish that so much and you know i think to be able to memorialize him as well as they did just goes to show how special he is to skateboarding
1: yeah 100 percent. it's crazy like the last glimpse i saw of him was the night before he passed. He's on Instagram dance
2: party with his son. I looked at that. Totally looked at that and liked it. Insane. I was like, sick. Jeff out here just being so positive and awesome dad. So tragic, you know? And especially when people are so active, you know? Like, he was on social media. He had this show. We like, you know, and some of... It's crazy. These older guys, you realize they age well in... The eyes right. of skateboarders, you know, it's like Lance Mountain. Like Lance Mountain got better with age. <laughs> it's like, he became the coolest Bones Brigade member in some ways to people, you know, and Jeff was that dude, like his whole trajectory and story is crazy. That's how much he loved skating. I mean, you know, when you really look back at what Jeff went through, I remember first moving to California cause I would always ask about these older pros and they were like, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's hit some rough times and, um, to see him come back and do what he did is, you know, to me, one of the, the, the ways that you can be at peace with his passing because you knew he was doing exactly everything he wanted to do.
1: Hmm. For sure. Well, fuck dude. Um, stoked to have you part of the team. You've been a bro longer than a team member, but, uh, now we're working together and it's yeah, super great. sick. Thanks for taking the time out. And uh yeah. it, what song should we fucking end this with? Any song you want?
2: Oh, Cat Stevens, Wild Worm. All right, I like that. I fuck it have you you've seen him live? Yeah, I got the opportunity to um I need to photograph him. him twice. He doesn't allow any phones or cameras in. And my friend, Matt Sweeney, plays guitar in his band. I got to, like, meet and shoot portraits of him.
1: When he was Cat Stevens or No, after? this
2: isn't Yusuf. This was, like, okay. three or four years ago. Wow. Like, I was backstage. Like, Paul Stanley hands me his phone. I'm like, can you get a photo of me and Yusuf? That's what I was <sighs> texting. I sent Jeff this photo. Like, <laughs>
1: Fuck. Yeah. Well, thanks, Atiba, and uh, stay healthy, bro.
2: Yeah, you too, dude. I'll talk to you soon.
1: Okay, take care, man.
4: Now that I've lost everything to you, you say you want to start something new. And it's breaking my heart. You're leaving. Maybe I'm grieving. If you want to leave, take good care Hope you have a lot of nice things to wear then a lot of nice things turn bad out there Oh baby, baby, it's a wild world It's hard to get by just to pull a smile Of what the world can do, and it's breaking my heart in two because I never want to see you sad, girl. Baby, baby, it's a wild world And i always remember you Like a child, girl Baby, I love you But if you want to leave Take good care Hope you make a life Just remember there's a lot of bad And beware Oh baby, baby It's a wild world It's hard to get by Just upon a smile Oh baby, baby It's a wild world Always remember you Baby, it's a wild word. And i always remember you like a child,
0: girl.
5: Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Schmidt. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. When you subscribe, you'll get notifications every Tuesday of new episodes the minute they become available. Also, please leave reviews and a five-star rating. It's the best way to help the show grow. All of the episodes will always remain free, but if you would like to help support the show, you can do so at Talkingschmidt.com, where you can pick up some merchandise like t-shirts, beanies, hats, and stickers. The website has an entire archive of all of the episodes, with extra photos and videos. Email us with any suggestions, comments, or ways that the show may have improved your life at talkingschmidt@gmail.com. at gmail.com. All interviews are conducted, edited, and produced by Schmitty. The intro music is Mary's Cross by the band Nature. A very special shout-out goes to the executive director, Cheryl Camisa. This is Talking Schmidt, where the Rolodex is deep, but the conversation is deeper.